Welcome to my official podcast. I'm sitting in a room behind the kitchens of the castle today, and I'm sitting here with Paul Brooke Taylor, Highclere Castle's head chef. So I thought I would ask him to share a few stories about cooking at Highclere, about some of the books on which we've collaborated, and how he began his career learning how to cook. So welcome, Paul. It's lovely to sit down with you. Normally you are not sitting down very much. You're rushing around madly. And of course, we have just opened to the public. So it's amazing to welcome you and all of your team back. Yeah, it's, it was a big day on Saturday. It was lovely to get the team back and prepare for Sunday. And today has been a, a new day, a few new challenges. But I think we've done, I think we've done all right. Well, it's an amazing kitchen, isn't it? Because I think it's been there for about a thousand years. It's not, in fact, Mrs. Patmore's kitchen. It's Highclere Castle's kitchen. And Mrs. Patmore's kitchen from Downton Abbey is filmed in Ealing Studios, a bit more make-believe. But this is a real working kitchen with the most extraordinary high dome in the centre of it. It used to be separate from the house, but it was probably joined up with it in the late 1780s. And it's now connected by a heck of a long series of passageways to get the food to the dining room. Do you want to describe the kitchens in which you cook? Uh, I mean, the, the kitchen, is, they're, they're fabulous. I mean, we, you're right, we have very high ceilings. We have quite warm summers. We have quite cold winters. We, we do have challenges of getting the food from the kitchen to the dining room. It's, uh, it's a bit of a walk or a run, <laughs> depending on the event at the time. And I've painted the dome, haven't I? A bit of you a have. mad idea. I'm not sure. I, did I tell you ahead? I can't remember. No, I didn't tell really. my husband. It's nice to look up and see some clouds because normally it, kitchens can be quite a dark place. And I think with a high voltage ceiling, it, it's, yeah, it's very fitting. It's, it's cloudy. It's uh, blue skies. It's, it's, a, it's a nice additive. And I think when, when, whenever I meet people in the corridors here as, as we're walking around doing you know, an event or as we are today, you know, open to the public, they're always asking, can, can we come in and see the kitchen? Can we come and see the kitchen? And uh, my first time used to be, well, it's not part of the tour. And then I remember showing a particularly mature lady who, who really asked, can I, can I come and see it? And I opened the door and I, I walked her in and I said, yeah, this, this is the kitchen. And it was almost disappointment on her face because <laughs> it wasn't Mrs. Patmore's kitchen. <laughs> and you, you kind of went, OK, well, I hope you enjoyed that <laughs> and sent her back on her way. You'd be amazed the amount of people that come here and, and think, you know, her kitchen is ours. But sadly, no. But we've still got the old patisserie room where, you know, where you make the scones and the cakes and the the game larder is now your walk-in fridge and walk-in freezer behind it. So it has been a little bit reconfigured during your and my time together to make it, I guess, more user-friendly to producing the sort of food to the standards we're trying to produce them today is the answer really, isn't it? It is. I, I, I still remember the conversation I had with you and Lorcanarvon about, you know, needing this massive refrigerator and making us up to date, ready for, you know, for hopefully an influx of people, thanks to Downton, and carrying on our popularity as, as before. And extractor fans. I also now think of you the extractor fans. We, need, we needed fresh oh, air and extraction goodness. fans. Yeah. Um, and, but you're right, I mean, to, to keep the, the old part of the kitchen with the marble and, you know, to make our chocolate work and our, our scone work so much easier, um, it's, it's a great little add-on. And I love your little office, which is up around the back. And I guess in the old days, there was also some chef accommodation, which I think we've sort of now, we don't obviously use at all, but it's quite high up. And I, I guess they would have had ladders up there, do you think, or curly stairs? Or I, I, I would go know. with curly stairs. I think it's, um, there's certainly a space up there. I'm delighted that you haven't asked me to live there. I've got to be honest. 
not sure if my wife and children will be as happy as they are today. But I, I'm so lucky. I've, I've got a fabulous office that overlooks a courtyard here. It's, you know, it's, it's next door to my kitchen. I get to keep an eye on people. But originally when I came here for the interview, I, I came here because I wanted to cook again. I'd, I'd kind of missed getting my hands you know, dirty and, and actually cooking. And I think it's one of the opportunities that you and Lord Clum gave me when I first applied. Yes, everyone does everything. You actually do what it says on the tin. But I do remember when you first came, because obviously part of your interview was to cook. I think it was lunch for us, wasn't it? Was it lunch or supper? I can't yeah. There was John Guntill, my husband and myself there. And I do remember you, I definitely remember you began with the beetroot cured salmon, yes. didn't you? We did. I, I did a beetroot cured salmon. I, I remember we were quite tight on time. I think you might have had another event you know, that evening. And I thought I'd better show you I could cook game. So we did some pheasant and we did a little suet confit leg and um, an old grey creme brulee just to keep with the, the, the place I thought I was cooking for. I remember driving down the A34 to, to come here for my interview. I came across the bridge and I thought, wow. And there hasn't been another job that I've applied for where I've written an email straight afterwards saying, just thanks for the opportunity. Because it was awe-inspiring. And I remember writing to John and um, asking him to pass on my thanks to you and Lord Carnarvon, saying, never cooked in a kitchen like that. Was a bit concerned about the walk to the, to the music <laughs> room, if I was completely honest. Please still be hot. Just the whole totally different way of cooking, totally different way of, of being a part of a, a business. And then, um, without speaking out of term, becoming part of the family in respects of... Completely. I mean, I, you know. I think people come for a job here and they're not quite sure you think you're going to be part of, part of it. It's, it's part of your CV, if you like, but... Mm. But um, it's been well, you were married here, of course. I was. That was amazing. I was. I, 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 came... I still use your photographs in our, in our marriage brochure, wedding brochure. It, it's normally the back of my head and Serena's face. Is, yes. yes, I know. I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, she's certainly the, the attractive part of the partnership. I did. I got married here. I was very lucky. As I said to Serena when, when we came, what, what a place. And then Serena's parents came because, you know, they were showing an interest. And we said to them, oh, thinking about getting married here. And, my father-in-law's a German, uh, his name's Manfred, he's a lovely guy, and his face dropped. And he turned to Serena's mum and I can't afford that. <laughs> and I went, no, no, come on. So we, uh, we were really lucky. You know, we got married here at a great time. It's still the best day. And, and so many people that came just continuously talk about our wedding. It's, no, it's, it, was, it was great. It was beautiful and fun enough that the moment in those memories come across in the photographs, which you kindly let me use to suggest other people might also like to get married to, which is quite funny, actually. But at least I know you to ask, so it makes it so much more straightforward. I, I'll be honest, we, we, Serena and I were really lucky, not only on our day, but my, my sister chipped in with a uh, videographer and they've got the whole day on, on DVD and she's done two four-minute clips and there's a little bit of backing music, but it just tells you how good... My day was, and we send it to people on you know, Instagram and other formats to remember this day, you know. And uh, it's been oh, uh, ten years, ten years married, uh, twelve years. Twelve here. years here. Twelve Amazing. years, yeah, yeah. It it's has been extraordinary. Yeah. It's gone by very fast. You don't look any older than when you first came here. That's because I, I haven't had a haircut for a few months, my lady. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, at a, we're at a time right now where um, my barber um, isn't quite open, but. Um, I've raised two kids here. They've, they've never known anything other than, than high clear. I mean, what, what But it's beautiful. I mean, growing up, and I sometimes see them going along Lime Avenue on their bikes or whatever else, and I'm doing my yoga in the good of goodwill at the time. <laughs> and I was doing my yoga outside underneath the cedar tree, and your wife, Serena, was doing her jump classes. It was such a contrast in music on a Friday morning. But I, I enjoy that. It, it's part of the music of life, actually, in some ways, and that's what's so important. And it's a very... 
it's a very cute lodge and I love having you both there and it, it is it's, it is very rural you've got the most extraordinary cedar trees around you and and a huge hedge so you have your own privacy and space but it's a good old place to live in which gives me a sense of place this house and a sense that at the heart of it like every other home you know for over a thousand years it's about food it's about cooking it's about welcoming people and it's about sharing sharing your food with people so that's so much at the heart of, of all of we do here in my life. So, Paul, you began your work in the Randolph Hotel in Oxford, where I have actually been for part of the Oxford Literary Festival, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I was lucky. I, I got a two-week work placement via my school. And from there, a gentleman called Andy Shaw said, do you want an apprenticeship? And I remember my, you know, my first week of £60 a week. It was, uh, you know, and if I made it to my third year, £90 a week. And it was a great schooling. It taught me what the word brigade meant. It certainly taught me what the word respect meant. And it was a really good schooling. It was a great schooling. And I think the you know the, the forte apprenticeship back in that time was was a badge of honour. Yeah, like like all good chefs, I, I wanted to go to France. I wouldn't say it was my most successful period of time, but it was a learning curve. And then I came back, and I was lucky enough to be picked up by German chef of the year, Karl Heinz Nagler, and asked to go run La Roche with him down in Poole. We had we had some good times. He was um, passionate. <laughs> Again, another good schooling. And I, I came to the stage where I became head chef for a, a different corporation, and I, I wanted to carry on cooking. It's, it's, it's one of the few chains that the, the further you get up that ladder, the less of the actual job you do. Yes. And... I miss cooking because you're right. Life is about food and maybe a gin and tonic. Uh. Exactly. Hardly also gin and tonic. Well done. No, it is. I completely agree. And yes, I remember when you came because we're always at pains to say to people, you're actually doing the job. You're not managing the job. So you you have to know the feel. But having said that, what I also always admire is your precision, your ordering, your knowledge of the costs, your knowledge of the margins, that you're also working with figures because there's no point cooking for people if we're going to be losing money. So we need to know where we should be pricing it out. And then it's pricing in the overheads of actually delivering it to the banqueting team and for them to actually serve it to the customers, the visitors, the guests, depending on the different scenario. And I know that there's always a point, actually, when anyone comes here, Paul, when you as a chef, I think, also said, is, is this the best place for the kitchen? And I'm, and I'm sure you had that sort of momentary discussion because the kitchen, obviously, to get to the dining room, you go out of your door along a short corridor, you turn left, you belt along a really long corridor good on roller skates turn left at the end short corridor turn left into the servery stairs up the stairs into the servery phew you've made it to the dining room <laughs> I, I often say to the chefs that the kitchen is bottom left the dining room is top right we have some stones on the way there so the <laughs> trolley has to be a little bit of suspension uh, there, there, there are certain foods we can't do here I would, I would never try and achieve a souffle into a dining room. It, it just, the, the complex of the building doesn't It doesn't. Work. And I do think it's working with the building, and I completely Absolutely. understand that. So some of the menus we're designing are menus which we can actually deliver, and and that's completely and utterly correct. And and I'm, I'm, I remember, I think you're possibly the third chef who I've worked with here, and please carry on, remaining the third chef. But, you know, in each case, it was 
working with the building it's a different way it's delivering the people the food to people to eat yeah i think people have a certain expectation when they come to drive and they they want to have the the kind of day they think the high is going to give them i think the food should um, stand next to that I've, I've often said that for serving any dinner in our dining room with charles the first overlooking that table you can't buy that anywhere. It's it's an experience that's unique to Highclere. It is unique, but actually, do you know one of my favourite times was when you kindly, I think my husband had gone off, so I was left behind, and you and Louis kindly gave me an eggs hollandaise on my own in the dining room. Yes. <laughs> I just, it was just the moment that I'll never forget. It was such a treat. I just love eggs hollandaise. I love all the naughty food. It's just delicious. It was completely scrummy. But I enjoy cooking. I'm obviously by no means a chef, but I enjoy the mixing of the different flavours together of the herbs, of the of the how you do or don't cook something. And and actually the pleasure of two nights ago, I, I made a really good, cooked a really good steak for my husband. It was just, for some reason, I got it perfect. Whereas I get it perfect sometimes. You get it perfect every time. But it is the pleasure of, a, of, of when the meat is just perfect and it's beautifully pink and moist inside. Even after it 12 years here, there are times when, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to do something like a, a beef wellington. Mm. You just can't look inside. You've got to trust your experience and the fact that you know what you're doing. And until you put that knife through it, and all the chefs here, yeah, we'll look at each other and go, or, or the chocolate fondant. You know, yeah, that when you turn out the chocolate fondant, you've sent them into the dining room, and then you cut the one that's left behind, and it's still pouring out. And you can't help but smile because we do have a slight corridor <laughs> between us and uh, us and the dining room. But yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. It's it's the pride of getting it right. And I think that comes from practice and, and your trust in me to make that happen. And yeah, it's... And I'm also, I hope, relaxed enough that you tell me what you can and can't do. I, I respect honesty above all. And then, of course, when we're preparing food for the visitors, it's slightly different because the tea rooms and the marquees and the coach house are much nearer. So it's, in some ways, that particular delivery food is much more straightforward. But also with your team, you've taken on the food we deliver to a to a great standard and on some of the Real Lives and Film Sets tours, which we've got coming up this autumn or the guided tours in the spring the the food that you serve is is just amazing from the tiny little soups and little demitasse soup little demitasse yeah, soup absolutely. yes thank you i tend to have the mug of the soup actually <laughs> and then the the tiny little the, from the quiches to the little um, chocolate pots they're they're hugely appreciated and i think it's andy who decorates things beautifully i'm not quite sure but Do you know, i've got a great skill base in my kitchen i'm i'm lucky that we're kind of yin and yang you know my weakness is their strength and, and vice versa and I, and I want people to come here and, and appreciate the hard work that's gone into it love the food that we produce but not be scared of it not look at something and not know what it is for us to produce a you know mini victoria sponge something that's gone in three bites if you're not me but they know what they're expecting and then to have someone walk up that drive it without question 90 percent of it is about this house and about how beautiful this this property is but I don't want to be the guy letting the team down that says, actually, you know, the house is great, but carrot cake. Was no, no, much. the food is great. You and, and it's, it's about matching it. that because the expectations yes. of, of walking up that drive, you can't help. I, I walk up that drive every day for the last 12 years coming to work. You, excuse me, you drive a few times. <laughs> Depends on the weather, you my lady. Sometimes. <laughs> and that's why we have honesty. <laughs> 
<laughs> there are um, there are a few times I drive cold, wet, uh, dark because it's very dark doing an event here at night. <laughs> leaving yeah, no, no, it is. up that it main is, drive, yeah. it can be really dark. It is going around the yew tree is quite dark, which you have to head round. And I'm always a little bit concerned about that because, you know, outside your kitchen, there's that thousand-year-old yew tree. Did you know it's that old? Someone came and aged it for me, but apparently there's a ghost in the middle of it. Do I want to stay there? So I'm going to prop it up on some telegraph poles to make sure he's in there still. And Lady Carnarvon wonders why I drive to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Well, anyway, I'm, I prefer to go around the back there in the, day, in the daytime. But anyway, I do need to get some telegraph poles. But it is, it is an amazing building. You're completely right, and I never tire of it when I driving through the front and in some ways you know you've helped me the first book at home at Highclere which I don't know how many recipes but that was a, a baptism of fire I think for both of us because I cook with a slice of butter and a clunk of oil which I now know is 50 grams of butter and and one tablespoon of olive oil or whatever else but it was a huge amount of work and I'm so grateful but I really think it was beginning at home at Highclere began to put out some of the heart of Highclere in a different way of sharing it and then of course by the time we got on to Christmas at Highclere we were all so much more on the same page that it came together in a but it's only really over the food fashion. that we actually do here yeah. it, it's not just done for picture Orange or for effect scones. exactly <laughs> it, it, and it's not done for the effect it's, yeah. it's done because it's done here we've always prided ourselves on on the weddings that we've produced that the food they have at their tasting is the food they get on their day I think when, when chefs can write books, they can be all flamboyant. But this is genuinely the food that is served at Highclere Castle, be it to the family or be it to the public who you know, walk through the doors. It's interesting because we're now marrying writing to delivering on your part. And then we've also done some cooking videos. And there's just one I posted on Instagram about the white onion soup, which was so well received. And it's such a relief because I find that when I cook, I'm not as precise as you as you know and then I sort of have to think very hard I find it much more tiring I'm sure than you do so I think we should do some more of those and how to make scones and things like that I tend not to bake as much I might make a bit of bread because I just like not adding things to it but otherwise I'm sort of the risottos the this, the savoury, the main courses, food doesn't not the have puddings. to be complicated, uh, especially somebody at home who wants to maybe entertain and, and be in the room rather than being cooking, you know, cook all the time. But that's why I love a risotto. And actually, mm. I've, I tried one out and, and I put vermouth in it instead of okay. white wine. And I can't tell you, it was, I was a mushroom risotto and mm. I put a glass of vermouth. It was an English vermouth, which I was sent. So it was free. So being Scottish, I thought wonderful. <laughs> and it had some, a collection of wonderful herbs and, Honestly, as it was cooking, and there was, it was just amazing, Paul. So it was, for it was so exciting. <laughs> I found it so exciting. For food needs time to to be able to infuse the flavours. My my daughter, bless her, was doing a school project, and I was trying to explain to her about herbs. And the only way I explained to a six year old was it's the perfume for food. And then suddenly this little light came on, and she's like, "Get it, Daddy." Okay. It was it was it was lovely to see the the excitement in her face to say she's the next generation you know that's the next lady in my life I've got to keep happy the herbs just become a perfume and they become a, a secondary flavour to the main product you're cooking with I'm a fan of Madeira as I think you know with yes. you know, a bit mushroom soup or, or risottos or beef well I use Madeira or white wine normally mm. but I just tried vermouth and it was just amazing actually so most most things in food aren't wrong you know, you can be no. you know slightly misled and maybe not do it twice but unless you try you're not going to know 
No, so that was quite exciting. So I'm looking forward to the next set of recipes because I have now been offered a new book by my publishers, I think, which I'm quite excited about. So that will also be quite fun. And it's, again, about the seasons, which I think we're terribly conscious of here living in the countryside. And I think that's an incredibly important to, to resonate some of our cooking with. I think it's a healthier way to live as well, actually. I, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't want to get political, but I think if, if we can live off our land, if we can live off you know the, what we produce in this country and not continuously have airplanes in the sky bringing us you know, ingredients from all around the world, that there are good ingredients here. We just need to cook seasonally. We need to cook with what our land can give us and put the money back into our own farms and our own farmers and our own growers. And if we can get that right, there's no reason why the flavours and, and, the, and the meal experience can't be as, as fabulous as it always been. I, I would agree. I mean, I think there's interesting traditions that have been brought back and, um, you know, f- uh, for example, of course, curry. Mm-hmm. And I do remember the <laughs> Castle curry. I do. Which, firstly, when you were here, you, I remember you said to me, well, what's in it? Well, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, Paul, actually, because it's an oral tradition. <laughs> and I could see, because to start with, you were really quite normal. You're less normal now, which is great. <laughs> but actually trying to understand how to make a curry without the recipe. So we, we did actually write it down. And, and then after the first couple of, of your trials of cooking the curry for yeah. lunch or shoots, whatever it was, and then Geordie would say to me, my husband would say to me, you're going to have to go downstairs to say to Paul, that wasn't quite right. And I'd try and say to Geordie, well, which bit wasn't quite right, darling? So it was, I just felt in such a difficult position, but it originated from a time prior to yourself, in time of the fifth earl, when um, the fifth earl brought back a very good curry chef, I think from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, yes. yes and he yes. used to cook in the kitchen with a monkey on his shoulder, which I think the French chef, and there was a French chef and a Mrs. Patmore type chef at the time, were hugely against, I think probably with good reason. But anyway, since then, this I don't know, extraordinary theory myth of a curry has come on down. I, I think there's, oh. there's a few dishes that we've shared, be it the high clear curry or the apple charlotte lemon meringue (laughs) (laughs) let's not listen to them all my lady (laughs) sometimes food food is so personal and i think if uh, when when you decide to work for a family your customer is the family so if lord canarman or lady canarman wants the apple charlotte or the the curry in a certain way then as a chef you need to accommodate that there's no point of getting it wrong every time but it's fascinating because I think it, then it comes back to food being part of memories. And for me, it's the memories of the of the old-fashioned steamed puddings, which our family cook, Queenie, would make as we as children went out to the beach in Cornwall and ran for hours, got thoroughly wet. And potted shrimp. Yes. yes. And we're in at one o'clock to have a lunch and the pudding would be, you know, a roly-poly pudding which had been wrapped in muslin for four hours on top of a bain-marie and you'd see it go in and out it came and it was completely magical actually and smothered in jam. So it's those memories of family, of your parents and the memories you then share to carry on. So cooking and food are so important. You're quite lucky in that respect. I think my my memories of food is is why I became a chef. My mum, who I I love dearly, please don't take this the wrong way, but I I needed to eat. And my mum was was a fantastic mother and raised me in completely the right way. But cooking was never really her forte. Hence, I think I worked for forte to learn how to cook. And my mum won't mind me saying it. She helped me get to the the place that taught me how to cook. Uh, Maybe didn't quite help me to learn how to cook herself. I think the problem with, with memories is they never write them down. No. And, and people always remember things differently. They know? do. There, there's a great hint of orange in that. Really? Okay. And then you're sort of scrambling around going, right, it had orange in it. And 
you know, and, and then other recipes are born. But I quite like it because it sort of changes as it goes on. And I think that's part of the fun, experimentation, exploring the different tastes and now all the herbs that we grow here. So to create some different balances and tastes and harmonies in the food we eat. So I just want to say thank you so much, Paul, for sitting with me today. And I'm not going to keep you any longer from your kitchens. And I might well go and try and find... Actually, a tea, a scone for tea myself <laughs> today. I haven't had one for a long well, the time. The second batch of bakers just uh, you're 35 minutes from just being finished, so yeah, there should still be a little bit of warmth in them, which would be nice. Um, well, thank you, Paul, and I hope you carry on cooking here at Highclere for a long time with us. So, so thank, you thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you my lady. I'm always pleased to hear from you, so please leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also ask questions or make suggestions by emailing podcast at highclearcastle.co.uk.